There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to questions from the audience on the Tim McKernan Show. Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Design Air, heating and cooling online at DesignAirService.com. And James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800, are all the sponsors of the Tim McKernan Show. And questions from the audience. As we are in this time period where we cannot interview people face-to-face, we are in questions from the audience mode because I am in my basement and that is where the HomeLoanExpert.com studios are. Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com is someone I just worked with, refinanced with Ryan a couple weeks ago, saved me more than 20% on my payment. Just like that. And it was so easy. I'm sure some people are like, I'm interested in doing it. I just don't have the time. And his staff took care of everything, you e-sign the documents, the closing, if you don't want to go and be interacting with people face-to-face right now, I can tell you this, We were our appointment, we were in at 11, we were out at 11.12. That's how quick it was. It couldn't have been smoother, and to save 20%, oh, I'm so glad we did it. TheHomeLoanExpert.com, Ryan Kelly, TheHomeLoanExpert.com. If you're buying a home or if you're looking to refinance, go online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Gangster Pete, we have all kinds of things. We have all kinds of things Bring it. in the questions from the audience uh, file this week. I've got emails. And on the fan page, the TMA fan page, I posted um, that I was willing to uh, go into a uh, deep dive on, um, on a topic because that's what I had just done with Buck Swope for what, what apparently is a three-hour and 23-minute edition of, uh, of Swope's picks. Rogan-esque. So, yeah, I mean, it truly, truly, truly was. So um, with that, I said, you know what? I enjoy the deep dive. I will go into a deep dive uh, if there is a topic people want me to go into. So for this version of... Uh, questions from the audience. We'll answer questions, but I will solicit deep dive topics. For me and Buck Swope, we were talking about um, we were talking about the 2011 Cardinals. That's the latest edition of Swope's picks. So some people suggested some things such as a Quinn Snyder deep dive. People seem to be enamored with Quinn Snyder and a Quinn Snyder deep dive. Does that intrigue you? I lived it. I was saying it's whatever to me. Oh, wow. Doesn't sound like that intrigues you. Uh, an InsideSTL.com startup in early years deep dive. Interesting. Doesn't sound like, though, you really mean it. Well, I mean, we've talked about it a lot on here, too, I think. so. Yeah. I think um, we- I'm scrolling down to find the thread. Um, oh, man, that's taking a while. Um, and I felt like there was another deep dive. Then there were some sports questions, kind of like topical sports questions. And, 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 it, and it's kind of popped up each of the last couple of weeks, and I get them. It's not like I'm like, oh, why are you asking about Nolan Arenado? I get it. But for whatever reason, like the idea of talking about that 
just I have like the opposite, whatever the opposite reaction of, oh, I really want to talk about it is, is what <laughs> I have. So it's not like I'm like, oh, that's a shitty question. I'm just like indifferent. It's I, I'm but I'm, it's beyond indifferent because I'm like, I really it puts me in a bad place for whatever reason. I don't know why. Here, I finally found the thread um, to, to think about like breaking down sporting events or, or sports or like even like things like that like trades like it's like when somebody asked about dylan carlson i'm like that's a totally fair question especially with how baseball could wind up going down in 2020 but god it just seems so foreign at the moment and so far away at the moment that i i, I don't know i just like have this 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 aversion <laughs> to even like thinking about it and i, and I don't I, i'm kind of like trying to psychoanalyze myself I don't know why I do, but that's where I am. And there's uh, so many unknown variables at the moment. Like right. it's, it's hard to really get into it. I mean, it could just be a huge waste of your time. And I know a couple of weeks ago, maybe two or three, wasn't last week, I came on questions from the audience, uh, just banty as fuck, because we had just done what I thought was one of the worst morning afters in the show's history thousands of shows over the years and i thought it was one of the worst and now honestly i'm just kind of resigned to this is what it is at this moment and even though we are supposed to be back in studio on uh, may 18th um i i you know i don't know if it's going to change i guess some of the the interruption stuff might be reduced because we'll be able to see each other and so that way the, the the interruption stuff might change and the delayed silences. But as far as topics go, I am so consciously trying to avoid talking about the pandemic that that becomes like the biggest effort of each show. And like if I see it kind of like that, like here, oh, I see we do we just kind of got into an area where it might come up. I got, I'm going to try and read one of your Dear Deidre's immediately to try to, <laughs> try to like blow it up on right. that road before we get there because I know it's going to happen. You know, you have been talking about for uh, the uh, year and a half you've been a part of the show, your, uh, your, your feelings on the fan page. And um, I, for the last, I don't know how long, I'm just like, I don't, it's, it's like nothing but pandemic talk and and it's in and you know you see the people who are posting you already know what they're going to say before they post which is what i say often when it comes to political talk but now that's where we are on an actual medical issue and it's just it's so gone <laughs> that i don't i mean it, it depends on who you're talking to some people talk about it like it's like it's almost in the past and then some people talk about it like holy shit this might be going on like until 2021 122 you know yep and so i i i i'm just i and and the, and the reality is i think no one really knows i think i don't know nobody on the fan pen knows that's what i was about to say <laughs> but if there's one i know i don't and i'm virtually certain although i do know there are doctors on there and they do post but they don't tell the people that they're doctors and then they get shit on like they're assholes <laughs> and it's the most amazing thing and i want to jump in i go hey just so you know, this motherfucker's a doctor. But I'm like, if they don't want to identify themselves as doctors or they don't want to identify themselves as healthcare admins, you know, then it's not my place to do it. Obviously, they would if they wanted to. Uh, so I'll stay out of it. I read it. I'm just like, oh, my God. 
but that's how I am with the show. The text inbox, which I realize the audience can't see. The audience, you know, most of the audience can see the fan page if you're on Facebook. Um, and, you know, the text inbox, anytime the topic comes up. And what do you see, Gangster Pete? I've been, uh, as usual, babbling. When, we, when it starts to come up, what do you, what, give the audience what you see in the text inbox. Because maybe your perception of the text inbox when we're talking about it, the few times recently it's come up. I scroll, I scroll past most of the comments, but you usually see stuff extremes on both sides. Mm-hmm. Anytime that it comes up, like their political views are in it, and they're upset at somebody for thinking one way, and upset at somebody else for thinking another way. So. Right. And they, and then there's usually at least one or two saying, "I can tell Tim is on Instagram right now." <laughs> yeah, because that's true. I, I'm gone, I'm gone, and I'm sitting there and I'm just going, "This is just so," you know. But whereas in March, I wanted to talk about it and enjoyed talking about it, enjoyed being probably not the right word, but I felt like it was healthy. It intrigued me. I think people were engaged. Uh, now it's it's just, it's just, it's just, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I am at a loss for it. And so you don't have sports and you don't aren't able to talk about the biggest thing <laughs> and so each day i'm just like yep i don't know i don't know i don't know you know i i know we'll i know when it's said and done we'll be fine but it is uh it's 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 certainly for the first time in a very long time i'm talking about well more than a decade plus uh where i'm like wow seven o'clock's here it's actually time to go to work because this is going to be you know, it's it's there. There's work in, in making sure that, you know, we do our thing. And then there's also work in making sure that it does not get into an area of bat shittery that, you know, is, I don't know, I don't know, irreparable, for lack of a better term. And um, I don't know. It's it's. Uh, so I really do, and it's it's and it. I did see one today where somebody said I can hear I can hear Tim banging his head against the wall as this discussion is going on. Can't wait for QFTA because the audience knows that that is where you, you know I will be speaking you know uninterrupted and and perhaps having an opportunity to go into some things that I may want to talk about. But honestly, when it comes to this, I remember you and I talked, and it had to be March because I can picture being in my my office uh, in Jupiter. And talking about how you at that point were exhausted by the politics of the coronavirus (laughs) discussion. And that was probably around like March 20th. And here we are on May 5th. And, you know. Well, it's it's like you said, you got different people arguing different sets of facts based on where they get. And that's it. And that's that's why I love, love. I I don't know if there's anything I enjoy discussing more, I guess, like non like sexual than uh than f- plot political philosophy political history political philosophy but when we're debating what is true and not and you know like you hear you don't know you don't know what to believe yeah but it's like yeah but if you talk with doctors right you know they they don't they're not you know you know they're uncertain of which direction it's going to go but as far as what is actually going on i don't know it's it's a it, i don't know I don't know. I, I'm, 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 I'm exasperated. So when uh, the reaction of, and I thought Swope did a hell of a job hosting the uh, 2011 Cardinal thing, and we wound up having like an hour and 20-minute conversation about it, 10 minutes of which 
were about Joshua and how that all even happened, how I, how I found uh, out about him and how he came into TMA lore, um, that it's like, okay, if I can go into a topic and deep dive on it, that allows us to have a good QFTA session without like having to dance around the pandemic talk. And I don't think there's pandemic exhaustion, per se, when it comes to the topic. What I'm exhausted by is, like, it's like like people are on a, I, I almost feel like it's like on a mission to do the I told you so thing. And, and again, when it's being talked about in past tense, as if it's like over, it just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away. And. I don't know how to, I, I really, I, as, a, as, a, as a host, I don't know how to handle it. I really don't. I honestly don't know how to handle it. I'm at a loss, which is why, which I think is why it's not that I'm not, because Iggy's entertaining the hell out of me right now, <laughs> you know, but, but he is. But, uh, but as far as a host, like feeling it's my responsibility, I'm at a, I'm at, I'm really at a loss. And, uh, and so therefore it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a task of some kind to try to make sure that we don't do damage, I guess is what I would say, by saying things that aren't necessarily true, which I don't think anybody would do intentionally on our show. Never do I think that. Take your pick of whoever you want to list on the show. I don't think anybody would do that. Um, I, do I think there are people in media who do that? 100% I think that. Do I know it? I guess I don't know it, but I, do I think it? Yes. Um, but do I think anybody on our show would do that? No. So, um, but I could see someone saying something that they think is true and it wind up not being accurate. And I'd include myself in that too. So, uh, it's, 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 you know, when you're talking about people's health and you're talking about people's jobs and the stress that people are under right now, it, uh, it, it just makes it a, 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 certainly a unique experience, but you also want to be responsible with it. So with that all said, um, we have a number of uh, questions this uh, this week. Uh, the deep dive recommendations, now that I have them up, deep dive on Quinn Snyder. Uh, let's see. This is a question, and it ties into what we were just talking about. Listening to Swope's picks about the 2011 World Series, there was very little producer talk on TMA at the time. What do you think has changed since then? I know the producers now are different. Are they given more freedom than producers back then? Are they just more talkative? Just curious of your opinion. Um, and it's, I know it's a question coming from a sincere place. When I first started reading, I'm like, oh, this is a way to shit on either Iggy or the Plowhawk for talking too much. But I don't think that's what it was. I guess what I would tell you is I think producer Joe was just as big a part of the show or to not get into some kind of debate on it close to as big a part of the show as the pips are now um and some people might go no way and then i know plenty of people because you're talking about your eight years ago was the last time joe was on the show and they might go no way it's a revisionist history but i'm telling you is the person who hosted it and owned and still does own the content of the show that you know we viewed it as the four of us and actually we had uh kevin lorenz uh as part of ibon the international brotherhood of nitwits so um, when I saw that question, I was kind of surprised by it. But I guess it's what Buck Swope put in the episode, and, uh, and there isn't much producer Joe in there. 
I think right now, if you're looking at TMA, considering this time, which is you know as unique as it has ever been in our lives, much less for a radio show, uh, you're having way more involvement with the producers than than even five months ago. But uh, but certainly at this particular moment, Gangster Pete, you've been listening for a while. What is your opinion? And by yeah, a while, I mean way before you started working. Yeah, I, uh, I haven't listened to the Buck Swope thing yet, but I would I would assume that's just the edit because I mean I remember listening. I remember producer Joe's on the air all the time. Yeah, and then I know and he actually like, hosted a show going into us. He hosted a show yeah. from six to seven. And then I know now it's just it's more conducive to everyone talking when no one is in the studio because then there's an open seat for all three of us. Right. So, um, I, so from that standpoint, you know, and you know, the question, are they given more freedom? I mean, there's just never been any, Hey, you now have more freedom. There's just, it's never been that way. It's never been that way. Even back in 2004, when we started much less now, um, it's just not like scripted that way. You know, I don't even know. I'm sure it's, I remember walking in the morning after Joe Buck or Jack Buck, excuse me, had passed away. So you're talking about June of 2002 handful of days before Daryl Kyle would pass away and I had just started just started radio I'd been at KMOV since March of 2000 but I had just started radio and I was working with Rich Gould and Jay Randolph Jr. and I remember walking in and I guess as a way to reduce workload so to speak we would rotate who runs point um, which is kind of funny to think of now but that's how we did it, you know, for the handful of months I worked with those guys. And then I went on to work with Frank Cusimano for a year and a half before the morning grind slash morning after started. And I remember that morning, Rich walked in and said, Junior, that's what he always calls me, Junior, you're sitting over there today. I'm going to run this show today. And I'm, <laughs> sounds good to me. I mean, I'm 24 years old, 25 years old. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, this is a unique, this is a unique show. The reason I cite that as an example is that is one of the only times I can recall in nearly two decades of radio where there was like some kind of who's going to talk and who's not going to talk scenario. Um, in other words, the Plowhawk, Iggy, Pete have not been given more freedom recently or Joe and Kevin had less freedom in 2011. It's just not the way that it is. It's a fair question, and it probably sounds like that based on listening to Swope's picks, but I assure you Joe was a very active uh, a part of the uh, program. Um, let's see. A deep dive into any of the times the show moved stations. That would get into some good inside baseball. Uh, let's see. 07, we moved to 1380. 10, moved back to KFNS. 13, moved to 920. 16 moved back to KFNS. Which of those would be the most titillating? It would either be 07 to 1380 or uh, 13 to 920. Because when we left from uh, 1380 to go back to 590, that couldn't have been a more friendly parting. Uh, the GM actually came in and embraced me on the final day and said, by the way, today's your last day. I just submitted my resignation. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> uh, and and the, the uh, gentleman, I don't think he owned the company, Simmons Media, but he was a high up there 
at the corporate level, so nationally. Daryl O'Neill, I think was his name, I think. Or no, maybe that's not it. He was he, Maybe he was the initial GM of the station back in, like, 2004. That's not the name. can't remember what the guy's name was. Um, it wasn't Daryl O'Neill. Uh, and I'm sure a handful of people who know the name Daryl O'Neill are laughing that I said it was Daryl O'Neill. I can't remember the names. Maybe it was Craig something or another. But he was quoted in the paper talking about how much they respected our show, and it was a shame that we were leaving, but they understood. I mean, it couldn't have been more professional. Um, and when we left 920 to go to 590 in 2016, there was nothing that the owner of 920 could have done. It was a, it was a compensation package. There's nothing he could do. Um, but he's been quoted in the Post-Dispatch since talking about how we built something there and he wanted to keep the momentum going. So it would certainly be either 07 to 1380 uh, or 13 to 920. The, those, the, those would be, I think, people... But I really do some sometimes, you know, Iggy talks about writing a book. I actually think I, I, I don't know if I necessarily need to write a book. I think I just need to write this stuff and like hand it to somebody. So, you know, whenever I'm gone, like it'll like it'll be there and people can go, holy shit, this stuff actually happened. Um, because I think if I started talking about it, people be like, oh, he's making stuff up. And it, you just, it, it's, it's real. I mean, it's just shit's real. It's just you, it just you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it. Um, let's see. Deep dive on the inside STL message board cesspool. Mr. <laughs> Pete. I mean, I was a part of that. I learned a valuable lesson. I was writing those articles mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. the early inside STL. And I got in the muck with some of those, uh, commenters, uh, when they oh, comment like the comments on, under they, the article, they comment under the article and there's just a never it's a never ending battle that you couldn't actually win. My yeah, old, it's like it's like getting in a fight on Twitter. My old know, man on the fan page. He'd read the articles and he's like, Yeah, I enjoyed the article. He's like, You need, you gotta you can't get in the muck with those guys <laughs> underneath there. And I was like, I got this dad and then like a month later I'm just exhausted. It's like nonstop. Uh, I'm like, Dad, you're right and I've just not given a shit about any of that stuff ever again. Yeah, it's, so maybe that's that's giving you a good perspective here now on uh on the way that you handle other stuff. Yeah, oh, it definitely. It changed my whole perspective on yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one of those, and, I, and I, I don't know how many times I've said it, both on TMA and here, it's like, yeah, maybe I'll start tweeting again, but I just, have, I just don't have any appetite for it. I don't have any appetite for it. And you can make I, the I best point in the world and that no one cares. They're going to come back at you, and no one is actually reading it for the most part. And I, it's just... I think I would if you knew that you were interacting with real human beings. <laughs> well, I mean, I, of course they're real human beings. Well, I guess not, of course. But but I'm talking about people who identify themselves because then the dialogue is different. But that's not the way that it works. I mean, people have their burners or people only have one account. And of course, it's like a dog avatar, flag avatar, you know, you know, so many. And it's just like there's no point. It's like what for real? I don't know. I'll ask this. I have a question for the audience, not from the audience. What's the upside? You know, like at this, at this, for, for me at this point in my life, what's the upside? Because if you're 21, 22, and you're getting out of school and you want to build up, you know, uh, a name or something like that, then I get it. But, uh, you know, I'm not, it's not like I'm like aspiring to be some national thing. I just, it's not where I am and I'm not looking to like become a take smith. You know, it just doesn't matter, and it and it all it leads to is, you know, just negative. I mean, that's that's how I see it. I remember when we talked about that show I did with Joe Buck, um, 
in 2012, and we had Bob Costas on as one of the guests, asked him about Twitter, and he said, and he, real concisely, he goes, what would I get out of doing <laughs> that? And it's like, good question. Now, he's Bob Costas, you know, so we're talking about uh, apples and oranges here. But I'm just like, I just... It's not like I'm like like in, I'm like I'm holding back a take. I'm just like there's no I'm not you know I I don't know but but even I don't know I, I want to be able to interact. I don't I mean I don't know like like a number of like my friends have this. I think I, I get the sense you guys have this. Some of your friends, Pete, like twenty guys who are like on a group text. Is that what you have? Uh, well, we have uh, we use WhatsApp. We got like that's right. That's four right. different chats. So that so maybe that's a way to interact with people, you know. But even you were saying, and maybe you were saying this off the air, so I apologize if I'm uh, if I'm ratting this out. I'll just, I'll just use the shears if I need to. Use here. the shears. But you have one friend who's clearly like kind of in a you know. Oh yeah, Breitbart I'm, state of mind. So yeah, speak. everybody knows who you're talking about, and that's fine. <laughs> he knows how everybody else feels too. So I mean, well, does he have any self awareness on it, or is he? Uh, he does. He just believes it. He 100 wow. percent believes it. So yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess if I ha- I don't think I would of the people I would like if I were to do this with because I would love to be able to communicate and give thoughts, especially I mean, a number of friends who've you know done really well for themselves and are super intelligent. And I'd love to have perspective and like offer a thought and not be like, oh, shit, I might lose my house because I gave this thought. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, I love it because you can say whatever you want in these chats right. and it's just great. That might be the way to do it. I don't know. Because I, I do, and in that sense, I feel like kind of muzzled, which which has to sound weird to people. Like, well, you have a show, you have a podcast, you know, you have this fan page thing, you have Inside STL. It's like, yeah, but you know, it's a it's a time in which you really can't say anything. And here I am on on this saying I don't know what the hell to do on the show at this particular moment. You know, we just bullshit, which is fine. But oftentimes, I do like to talk about what's on my mind. But at this particular moment, it's just it's. It's nuts, and I have to tell you, you know, I read, uh, I really, I, I enjoy it. Um, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, though that's kind of my regular. And then, uh, even though I subscribe to it, I don't always make the way my way to Washington Post. So, so to try to get, and then I'll go, okay, I'll look at CNN and I'll see how how they're portraying the day's news, and then I'll go to Fox News, and it's like they're two different worlds they're covering. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing thing, like if. The news wasn't real good for the president with regard to the pandemic. What's the headline on Fox News? It isn't that. It's about Tara Reid and Joe Biden. And if it wasn't a real good day for Joe Biden with the sexual harassment allegations from Tara Reid, what's it looking like on on CNN? It's all pandemic all the time and how President Trump lost his mind at the press conference or whatever it is. And it's just like and and so and and I, I look at that. And, and I wonder, again, we're just assigning arbitrary percentages to things, but of the people who get their news from Fox News and then of the people who get their news from CNN and they don't read a New York Times or a Wall Street Journal, um, and I mean, by the way, I'm not faulting people for any of this. I'm just saying I think, I think, I think, I think, I think the majority of people get their news from cable news or their sites right now. I think, do you agree with that, Peter? Am I off? Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people get cable news and a lot of people you know, curate like their Twitter. The headlines get... on Twitter and, yeah. and Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I was about to, I need to include that in there. So they're bubbles. How many check the other bubble? 
like what percentage? And I realize we could say any percentage and throw it out. I would say 5% might be being liberal with that. Uh, I, think that think? I think that sounds about right. Okay. That, that, it, like it's like a conscious effort. Because if you're in the bubble, then seeing what the quote-unquote other side is saying, it's, it's, it's an action that will piss you off. It's like I say about, oh, I just read a great story in, in the Post-Dispatch. I see there's a bunch of comments under the article, and immediately it takes me to a dark place mentally and emotionally. So why do that to yourself? It's like reading mentions uh, on Twitter, you know? So, so if I'm of the mindset that this is the story, and then I go to this site, and they're, like, not even talking about it, it pisses you off. Or if they are talking about it, they're portraying it in a different way. And so since, I, since we're operating off of our arbitrary percentage of 5% of people check both, which might be high, then that means 95% of those who get their news from Fox News or CNN are never seeing the other side. And therefore, when the two interact, they're talking past each other. And they also think that the other one is lying or refusing <laughs> to acknowledge the truth. I really I say it so often on this thing that I think that's the core issue. But now, you know, it's one thing if it's like, oh, I think Donald Trump's an ass. Well, you can think he's an ass, but look at the economy. And it's like, okay, we're talking about that. But now we're talking about stuff that, like, has impacted everyone. Like, that stuff was kind of like, okay, if you're caught up in it and you recognize those people kind of when you when you encounter them, you know, whether it be – and it's always kind of like, a, oh, shit, you know, it's one of those moments. You know, it doesn't matter if it's left or right. It's like, oh, shit, I got I to gotta mind my P's and Q's because I, I'm, I'm, I got a live one here. You know, uh, that that I, I, I want to talk about things, but I, I don't I don't feel comfortable really getting into them um, because it leads to just this anger and hate uh, and, and anger and hate that I don't think I can recall seeing in years with regard to like people creating burner email accounts and sending me shit. It's just in another world. I'm, I'm getting a lot of DMs on Facebook, too. <laughs> a lot, like way more than normal. Um, Not the good kind. No, it's it's just it's just I don't know, man. I'm uh, I don't know. So so for real, that's why I'm like, let's Pete, let's do the QFTAs and let's you know do deep dives, and I'll go into all kinds of shit because I did enjoy the one I did with Swope. So uh, I have this one. Um, uh, it's pandemic related, but it's not really <laughs> pandemic related. I think you'll agree when you hear it. Hello, with the popularity of grocery delivery and curbside takeout during the pandemic, do you think that, A, the popularity of these services will continue even after things, quote, go back to normal, end quote? And if so, B, do you foresee grocery stores altering their model a bit to compete with Instacart? It seems that if they had locations that were warehouse only and catered solely to online delivery, it would allow them to bring that business in-house and cut out the inefficiencies that Instacart and similar companies deal with. When I say inefficiencies, I mean that someone has to physically do the shopping in the store. Imagine an Amazon-style warehouse where machines procure orders and they deliver themselves. I love you. Do you love me? Thanks. Meathole2001. What a wonderful <laughs> email. So it sounds like it's pandemic, but it's actually not. But when I went to read the email and I saw pandemic, I go, shit. Uh, so I like this. I thought this was uh, well asked. So we'll start with this. The popularity of these service, services will continue after these things go back to normal. Do you? Do I think that? Uh, Pete, what do you think? I mean, I think if they can do it efficiently enough where they still make money, it adds value and they'll still do it. But I think it's probably cheaper to have the people visit your visit the grocery store or your restaurant. So I think they're they're more likely to make 
uh, have a higher spread in the profits if they continue with the old model. But yeah, I think if there's a way for them to do it efficiently and make money on it, yeah, sure. And have, so, this is good practice too. So yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think a lot of um, we will look back whenever. 10, 20, 30 years and go look at all of the things that became normal that were born out of necessity, you know, as the, as the phrase goes that I butcher all the time, the mother of invention is necessity or something along those lines. Um, and so I will skip ahead to B, which is do I foresee grocery stores altering their model a bit to compete with Instacart? It seems that if they had locations that were warehouse only, and catered solely to online delivery, it would allow them to bring that business in-house and cut out the inefficiencies that Instacart and similar companies deal with. And I actually would say yes. I, th I think that that's, I think that this could wind up happening because you think of how big these, pic picture whichever grocery store you're picturing and how big these things are and how much that must cost, plus, plus to employ, I really could see it happening. You know, if people have gotten, are you shopping for groceries right now, or are you using take your pick of whatever? Yeah, I, I shop. I throw okay. my mask on, go in there. All right, I haven't been in a grocery store in since since March, um, so we are using one of the services. And so, if people, you know, initially people may be uncomfortable with it, but because of necessity, they get comfortable with it. Then perhaps you can have like an Amazon type arrangement. I could see it happening. Because, again, you might not necessarily increase the top line, but you're going to reduce your expenses. And so that's where your margin can increase. And so I do wonder about it. Now, somebody in the industry might listen to this and go, no, here's why it wouldn't work that way. But I don't know. I mean, you know, in New York City, for example, this is the way most – I don't say most people. That's not fair. I know a number of my friends in New York City – you know, would jokingly say, I never leave my apartment if I don't want to go out. I mean, they deliver food here. They just run it up the elevator, and it's sitting there. Uh, they deliver groceries here. And so what is becoming common for some people in our area has been around for, you know, I don't know how long, at least a decade in, in Manhattan. But that's a different situation. Again, you could kind of make the case it's necessity. Is it actually necessity? No. But the the convenience outweighs the you know going to the you know what's the name of that thing that they have everywhere there Dwayne Reeds is that what those things are you know what I'm talking about like those are on every corner I was gonna say bodega yeah, well you <laughs> certainly have those but um but but that that people now out of necessity in the Midwest are uh, are getting are getting comfortable with it um the hell Dwayne Reed yeah I think Dwayne Reed oh Dwayne Reed oh Dwayne Reed became part of Walgreens so there you go. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm certainly fine with it. I don't enjoy going to the grocery store, but maybe there are some people like, no, I want to be able to look at certain items and pick them out and not be at the mercy of somebody picking out the wrong vegetable or fruit or meat or whatever. I don't know. But, um, I don't, I, th I think it's a fair question and I could absolutely, let me put it this way. It may not replace it, but the number of people who will do it will increase. I I think it's really interesting whether the grocery stores would want that or not, because I know that they spend a ton of money like studying people's movement through the stores. Like they put things in certain places. They don't have the windows and the clocks like a casino. They want yeah. you to go in and out of as many aisles as possible so you see more things. And then, it's interesting. And then companies yeah, you're right. pay you're money right. to right. put, put so, certain so, products yeah. in certain places. Yeah, you're right. That's interesting. So I think so you can make a case, in other words, that the top line could decrease as well. Because people aren't going to purchase as much. In other words, 
if I go into a grocery store right now, and it's let's let's say right now is December of 2019 as opposed to May of 2020, and I'm just going there. In particular, one of the things that would benefit me is I'm not hungry. But let's say that I'm somewhat hungry, and I go into the grocery store. And the next thing I know, I've spent an absurd amount of money just because I saw things and I decided to buy them. That spend is going to be substantially more than if me and my wife are going, okay, we got to do another order. What do we need? And, you know, and I'll say, no, I just need, you know, this and that. And that's it. And she's like, that's all you need. And it's like two things because I'm eating metabolic meals online at mymetabolicmeals.com that you know, obviously the spends are incredibly greater. So I think you're right. I think it's a good observation. So I'm sure that, and I'm sure there are other reasons for people who are in that industry that would hear and say, well, here's why it wouldn't happen. Uh, Next question. Hey, Tim, I asked the fan page this question and I'm curious of your response. So after being home for a month, I realized something. I have zero hobbies. Sure. I did some stuff around the house and played video games and such, but nothing I would call a hobby. Question, do you have any hobbies that are not radio slash podcast slash multimedia related? Thanks. That's from Sean Moynihan. Um, If golf were not allowed at this moment, I think I would be in a worse state of mind than I am. But over the last couple of years, golf has become such a big part of my downtime that that it's it's it, it truly is an escape that that doesn't make me feel like oh something is different because when you're out on the golf course and this can be in the middle of a stressful time during normalcy it has a way of taking your mind off it um and so that is huge for me i mean that's just huge for me and i'm personally somebody who doesn't need to be playing a round of golf to have my mind taken off it i can go up even if like you know, my wife's like, listen, I really need you around the house today, you know. Um, and I'm like, all right, that's fine. How about I, you know, go up and, you know, pitch or putt or whatever for, you know, 30 minutes and put in AirPods. I'm just the happiest fucking person in the world. I mean, I just, it just it's the best. Um, so that helps. I thought I was going to get back, get more back into poker. And I think the reason I haven't, is in part of what I just said on the previous answer with regard to golf, except golf, whereas it takes four, four and a half hours. Um, with poker, I mean, if you're running good and you're in a, a deep tournament, it's going to take, shit, eight hours? Um, so uh, maybe not eight, six to eight, though. Uh, and so I just don't have that time, and I don't really have that commitment i found when i started playing in early april that i'm like oh the, the people have like so many people are playing it now that it's not as the games weren't as hard as they had become because only committed players were still playing as opposed to the poker stars boom full tilt boom when you know you had plenty of fish in the pond um so it was profitable and i still have that money in my bovada account but I just haven't, I don't know when the last time I really sat down to like really like play a tournament as opposed to like, okay, fuck it. There's, there's, there's going to be $100,000 in prize money. It's Friday night, even though I know I won't be able to stay up past 10 o'clock. I'll get in the 7 o'clock tournament and just play like a maniac. And if I build up a stack, great. If not, who gives a shit. Um, so golf, absolutely. Um, usually it had been working out, which 
wasn't really about, you know, I mean, what the hell am I going to do with, with being a, a married father? I'm not looking to impress anybody. Um, but I just would feel better after I would work out. And now with having a, a, a obviously no gyms, but you can still work out at home or do yoga or, you know, whatever they'll run. Um, but I'm just in this mindset with, okay, I don't want to do anything because the thing I'm really enjoying where I could hurt myself and then not be able to play golf because that's my thing right now, I'm not going to mess with it. I have, a, I have a torn shoulder labrum. I'm trying to get to the end of the year to have surgery or the end of the golf season, I guess, to like have surgery like in September or something and then, you know, just eat shit for the next few months and then hopefully be able to play in 2021, 20, uh, assuming we can, who knows. So I'm not messing with like doing home workouts of push-ups because that could fuck up my shoulder. So... Um, it's just, you know, it is what it is. I feel it when I sleep. I sometimes feel it when I play golf. But for the most part, I just do my shoulder rehab stuff with bands. And that's that's what I do. So it's it's mainly built around golf. But I love it. And, um, and my son loves going out on the course with me. My wife, actually. Uh, I got drunk for the first time in I don't know how long. It might be having to go back to 2018, which is really weird. But uh, there was, like, a couple's golf tournament, and Anna Marie's like, I'll go up there, and we'll just drink, but I really don't want to hit a shot. I have no clubs. I don't care. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. So on the first hole, we have, like, a 30-foot birdie putt. The three of us have missed it on our team. And I said, hey, could you just roll it up there? I mean, who fucking knows? You know, she's like, I really don't want to. I said, she bury it? And she <laughs> buried it, Gangster Pete. I mean, this thing off the flat blade was tracking from 20 feet out. And me and my buddy, the wonderful Matty Moe, uh, we're looking. I'm like, oh, my God, that thing's going in. And it, I mean, we're, we're one under because Anna Marie buries the putt. <laughs> and next thing I know, she's like, sw- and she has a nice golf swing. She's an athlete. And uh, she's like, well, maybe I should get golf. I'm like, fine, do it. I'm all for it. I think some guys are like, yeah, I want my wife to kind of like it, but not really, really <laughs> like it, because right. then that can cause a problem. I would love it. I'd love it if me and my wife and my son went out there and just fucked off. It's just a, you know, it's it's an escape. So anyway, the long answer that could have just been simply one word is golf. <laughs> but that that is that's that's really what I'm building everything around. And if I do get shoulder surgery this year. I imagine I will go back to lifting weights, but I will never again. I mean, it's a weird thing. It's like 43 years old, and I know I will never again lift as much as I was lifting eight months ago, I guess it would be at this point. Um, Not because I I wouldn't be able to, per se, but I will never risk injury again. It's just there's no point. There's zero upside. And as uh, I may have said before, I need to stop saying that. The juice isn't worth the squeeze. The juice is not worth the squeeze. And my, my trainer, uh, and I'll never give up juice isn't worth the squeeze. <laughs> but uh, my, my, not my trainer, the rehab, uh, I don't even know what the hell you call physical therapist. When he was, when I came in and he's going, so what do you got? And I go, I got the show. He goes, what were you doing? I was lifting weights. And he goes, what? And he goes, I'm not trying to be mean. He goes, but why were you doing that? And I go, well, that's what I'd always done. And he goes, yeah, but I mean, you're, you're 42 now. I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> And I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, I mean, what are you training for? <laughs> and I go, oh, I just, that's what I've always said. He goes, you can't do that anymore. You, you, I mean, you really you get hurt. And it's just, it was this moment of like, holy shit. Like, all right, here we are. Here is this thing you'd always heard about, you know. 
and it hadn't really applied to me. And now it's like, okay, shit, here we go. Here, 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 here's the start of, you know, if I make it, the numerous things over the next X amount of years that you used to be able to do that you will no longer be able to do. It's like I really want to try and break 70 on a golf course while I can because I, I know that that's not going to be in play. Shit, I don't know. It might not even be in play right now, but at least I think it's in play, and I really want to try to do it. Because I know, you know, I'm not going to be able to swing like I can right now in however many years. And who knows? It could happen today. I go out and I hurt my back and you're done, you know? So I don't, I just, uh, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fuck around with, uh, with, the, with lifting weights again like I did, which I might, maybe I shouldn't have been, I mean, I was talking to TJ Moe and I go, so what do you, do you, so I'm about deadlifting. He goes, well, I don't mess with deadlifting. You get hurt. I go really. The workout plan I'm on is one day is deadlifting. Goes, oh, I mean, you can do it. He goes, but it's a, you can hurt your back, you can hurt your legs, you can hurt your, you know. And I'm just going, okay. I mean, <laughs> I realize you played college football at a high level, but look at me. You know, I mean, it's like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, I'm here. I, so anyway, the answer is golf. Pete, go ahead. What What are your hobbies? Golf, I know, is one. Yeah, golf is keeping me sane pretty much. And then, uh, where are you playing? Uh, I'm playing at Normandy this Saturday. I've played with my dad out at the Legends a few times. Uh, <laughs> Doug was talking about Paradise Valley. Valley played out there a couple times because you can get an easy tee time. Mm-hmm. A lot of goat tracks, but uh, I mean, I just like to get out there and forget about everything for a while. And then the Zoom poker games with my boys on the weekends, that's really fun. So it's like normal interaction. Yeah, that's good. That's that's good. I mean, I, yeah, I, that, that's, that's healthy. Yeah, you've talked about those uh, before. I don't know. I mean, but again, you're in a different spot. We're obviously in different spots. I have a wife and a child, and he is now in the spot where this, you know, I think I've talked about it again. As I said, I need to stop saying I think I've said this because who fucking cares? I mean, I'm going to go into something different anyway. He is now sleeping in our bed. Last night was the first time where he just abandoned ship on his bed and just started the night with us. So we're at that point. Once again, anytime I talk about parenting, I don't want an email on parenting tips ever. I will never send one, and I don't really want to receive them. <laughs> if I'm interested in your parenting tip, I will say, hey, you know, I'd be curious. I can't imagine that time's going to come because I feel like they, the, the people who usually want to send those are not the people I'd want to hang out with. So I'm kind of operating. I'm sure you probably don't want to hang out with me either, so you're probably not listening to this as it is, although you might be a hate listener. Um, so I, it's... So he is with us now at this point, Pete, 24 <laughs> hours a day, 24 hours a day. I am now the guy. That's all the hours. That's, it is indeed. It is indeed. That's I guess awesome. maybe not. With Anna Marie's with her 24 hours a day. With me, I've got my three hours of TMA, my hour or two of QFTA, and, and working on a variety of things where I'm on the phone or whatever. Um, but I'm now the guy who, you know, like yesterday – I had to get out of the house to go get on the phone because otherwise he'd be running around. So I, but I have, I have one child and we're not, and we don't have to, I mean, he's two, so we're not homeschooling. Like, I mean, you know, my neighbor has five children. Um, my, my brother Danny has three children. I don't know how people are doing. I really don't. I, I said this, you know, when we were three months into Jameson's life, just the appreciation. I'm sure some people are like, oh, you fucking liberal, but th- that's how I felt. All I feel like it's like just kind of acknowledging that the world isn't the same for everyone. Like I'm like, this is 
this is it's first off it's absolutely not fun i will not say otherwise i don't care i will go with that forever the first x amount of months and i say it to guys privately and they go god you're telling me but i don't feel like i can say it the first six months or so are fucking awful it's just it just is and this is coming from the guy perspective <laughs> i can't even imagine from the the woman who actually has to to, to, to do a hell of a lot more so with that said um then it becomes just the greatest thing in the world but the 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 element of having one and and I was going, you know, Anna Marie doesn't work, and I do some nitwit radio show and podcast, and we're already we already have our hands full. And I'm thinking to myself, what if you are a 30 year old mother of three who has to work two jobs, and you're a single mother, and you have to somehow do that to keep your family going? And also try to parent, and those kids have to go to school, and you try to. And, and I'm going, how in the hell do people do it? I, and here I am with a with a with a three month old infant who can't really do anything, and I'm going, this is a motherfucker. I mean, I'm just going, I just have empathy for it. Fucking liberal. Well, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm coming at it from another perspective, but I'm just thinking to myself, how, you know, that's a that's a that's a that's a tough tough spot. But let's take that element out of it for the purpose of this particular moment in history. And I have no idea how people who have, you know, let's say three who are (laughs) five, seven, and nine, you know, I mean, I don't even, I can't even imagine. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. It's like I see my neighbor, who's a great guy, and I'll go, how you holding up? And he sees me and Jameson coming back from the golf course. I'm going, I don't know, couldn't putt today. You know, I'm like, shit's fine with me. And then I like, yeah, <laughs> and I'm going, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> You've got five kids. I, and that's the thing. I mean, I know there are a number of people in that spot and it's just like, shit. I don't know. I mean, Pete, I'm sure you have a number of friends who have multiple uh, children. What, what are they saying the experience is like? Uh, yeah, I mean, they they can't leave them. Like my brother's got five under 11. But uh, most of my Zoom poker friends are married with children. They late night on Friday and Saturday they're playing. And when cards. they sit there and get drunk with you and play <laughs> yeah. poker. Oh yeah. yeah, definitely. Like it's. I it's, did find it's what they look forward to all weekend. Yeah, and that's the th- and that's kind of. I'm at a point. Although this past Saturday with the couples golf thing was super enjoyable. Um, that what I found my I'm building my week, like the climax of my week is eight o'clock central on Sunday night for the last day. Yeah. You know, so I can't wait for that. I can't wait to sit on the couch and watch TV at 8 o'clock five days from now. That's, that's what it's come to. It's like five years ago. Can't wait for the fucking orgy in Las Vegas. Now it's can't wait to see the thing on the Bulls. And, you know, it's like this is this is where things have this is where things have gone so quickly, so quickly. But that's where it is. So I I but I mean, I am the father of one. So for me to even, I just don't, I can't relate. I can't relate to what people are experiencing with it, you know, with how they're, uh, how they're navigating, you know, uh, you know, parenting and kids never, you know, leaving the house. And they're having to teach them too. The older right. Ones. Yes. <laughs> um, add, add that to your list. Hold on. I'm sorry. You can, you cannot. Don't don't worry about editing this out. My dad just. My dad's called me and he's texted me to call him, and so it's like one of those things. But you know, it's like one of the, like sometimes he does that, and it's not urgent. Yeah. But it's one of those things where when it happens, you go, 
this has to be urgent. Right. And then I'll call him and I'll go, how's it going, buddy? And I'll go, Good. I thought there was. I thought something was going on with a family member. So I don't know. Now I might be joking about it, and then something awful is happening. And uh, so anyway, that's that's what's going on right now. And if that is indeed the case, we will be uh, we will be editing uh, editing this out. Uh, let's see. Hi Tim. This is a good question. Hi Tim. Would you ever consider inviting Bob Fesco or Jason Barrett on the podcast, or is this is a juice isn't worth the squeeze situation? There's a juice isn't the worth the squeeze situation from, mm-hmm. a, from an email or Pete. So shove that up your ass. <laughs> Again, I'm enjoying the show. That's from Adam, not Carl Adam. Yes, I would. As a matter of fact, when Seymour was producing the Sea Monster, he asked Barrett, um, and Barrett said no. And his reason, though, was he was a consultant for 101. Um, which, personally, I think he was using as an excuse, but I also understand it. Um, I also think the people at 101 wouldn't have cared, but whatever. It's neither here nor there. Yeah, and I'd have Bob Fesco on. I, but the thing with uh, – the, the, and, and I talk about these things, and I talk about them like everybody knows, and in reality, they're 13 – that's 13 years old. Bob Fesco is who I co-hosted with in 2007 for five months – when Martin quit, producer Joe got fired and the cat got fired. And Jason Barrett is the program director who initiated that. Um, and it was for real when I talk about these these uh, these shows where I go, God, these are the worst that I can recall doing. They, they bring me back to that time. But when I say that, I can understand how people go, you know, who are friends with Bob, for example, go, hey, Tim was badmouthing. And it's not. It's not what it is. Like you could put, you could put me with, I don't know, um, who would be considered a high, Bernie Miklas be a great example. I mean, fuck, I think the world of Bernie Miklas, uh, as far as his knowledge and um, you know cachet in the market. Uh, Randy Carricker, there would be another one, and I just don't think it'd be a good show. You know, now I'm not saying Bob Fesco is Bernie Miklas or, or Randy Carricker. The point being. That and and it wouldn't be good for those guys either. You know, this isn't a this isn't a me thing. This is a, there's chemistry, you know, uh, and in the way that you like to do a show and what you're entertained by, and um, and Bob and I just have absolutely two different styles, which was why the whole thing of bringing him in was such a mistake, and um, and the way it was handled was disappointing, certainly. And I, you know, it's been, it's been 13 years, but my opinion doesn't change. I mean, I'm certainly not nearly as upset about it as I was at that time. But it, it's that it doesn't change the way that it was handled. It was so, it was poorly handled. That's that's where Jason Barrett comes in. To Jason Barrett's credit, a couple of years later, because um, I because I had this thing, man, and I made no secret of it. I know he knows it, and this is why a deep dive on like 07 would be. Uh, would probably be entertaining for the audience, especially the people, because I would guess. Let me throw this out. I like, you know, I like arbitrary percentages. We've already done <laughs> one, Gangster Pete. Of the people listening to TMA in 2020 and this podcast in 2020, what percentage do you think we're listening to the morning grind in 2006 and the morning grind in 2007? 15? 20? Mm, I, li- I like the number. I think 20's going, 20, I'd certainly go under. I don't know, maybe not. Because I'm thinking, I'm thinking more in the ten to fifteen range. That's what I mean, it's I, a, I it's a loyal fan base. So I think it is. It's just I think I just feel like because so many now are in their twenties or right. early thirties that if you take it back, it's like, is there any way they were listening when they were like ten? You know, it's just 
So anyway, whatever, the, the premise being, I think people who are totally unfamiliar with the story would be entertained by it. Um, and then I think the people who are familiar with the story would love to hear the behind the scenes on it. And in, in, so when I bring up Barrett now, they, they picture the, his top 25 list that we make fun of every Super Bowl week. Um, <laughs> but but the, the history actually, is, it goes back to when he was the program director at KFNS, and he just was, um, he, he micromanaged it to the point where, you know, producer Joe, who is, you know, he has worked on the show in seven years. He's still a friend of mine. He's also, he, I, I, when, when the word loyalty is used, I feel like the word loyalty, there's this loyalty of like, you follow the dictator loyalty. And which I don't have, I have zero, first off, I'd like to think I wouldn't be under that umbrella anyway with regard to dictator. But you kind of have loyalty to principle, which is a totally different kind of loyalty. Like, I don't want somebody to blindly follow me. I, I, I surround myself when we do have business ventures with people who I know will say I disagree. I prefer that. I, th- I think, I think, I mean, I think it's kind of like, I think that's like an obvious thing that you want to do. So Joe is not like this. Tim is the greatest thing, you know, at all. I don't want that. And you, Pete, absolutely or not, which I love and I prefer, um, you know. And so Joe, so with that said, Joe in 2006 when he got fired, he told the GM to go fuck himself. I mean, you can't do that. I can be like, I don't want my guy <laughs> whacked, but you, I, how, can I, how can I go in and fight for him when he told the GM to go fuck himself? So he gets whacked in like August or September. Uh, Martin is run into the ground as we all were by Barrett would send these monster emails and he would send them on Friday afternoons, like at five o'clock. And I, and I honestly don't think, I don't think it was done intentionally. I really don't. I think it was just a lack of thinking of the, the recipients and you, you, I already heard you groan because you know (laughs) what that does. It just fucks up people's weekends and you don't want your people to be unhappy. So that led into what we've talked about occasionally on the show, which is the email he sent to Martin and the cat specifically, although I was included on it. But it was going after Martin and the cat for, I think they ducked out of the show in October of 06 when we were in New York and the Cardinals were playing the Mets in the NLCS. I think it was after game one. Yeah. Um, and But they were staying over in Queens by the Shea Stadium and because I wasn't doing TV and because I'm a fucking nut, I, I didn't want to stay in Queens because, as you might imagine, they don't have the nicest hotels there. And I'm like, I'll just pay my own money and I'll stay in Manhattan like a complete asshole. But I was paying my own money and th- where we were going to be broadcasting the show was CBS, which was on the west side of Manhattan. So if you know your New York geography, Queens is, you know, out to the east. So now you're going to the west side of Manhattan and you're coming into the city at shit, I don't know what time they would have been leaving, 6 in the morning for a show that starts at 8 Eastern. And they had been up at the ballpark until, you know, I don't even know, 1 or 2 in the morning. So they ducked out earlier. Now, I will say this, in fairness, um, they should have let them let Jason know that they were going to duck out, and I think it might have been okay. Because um, when they did it, I'm like, oh, God, I know this is going to be a problem. But the email that Jason sent to Martin, the cat, and myself. But again, I did the whole show because I didn't have anything else to do. I'm doing the radio show. That's why I'm there. Um, But I was included in it. Probably the producer was as well. 
it was just it was so over the top. And I'm reading it, and uh, and I remember the cab was taking me back to my place, and I remember reading it going across Times Square, just because it just one of those things that'll stand out in my mind. You know, that couple blocks as you go across that area, and 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 I looked over. And I remember thinking to myself, this is the moment, and I happen to be crossing Times Square where, where the show ends. That's what I remember thinking, because I'm like, I know Martin, and Martin is already on the brink with this guy, and it is, this is it. He is going to, he's going to absolutely. And I'm telling you, uh, I've, I, my dad, it's kind of like when people like yell at me now, Pete, I kind of feel like you might have this trait. Producer Joe definitely has this trait. Like, you could yell at me. We were both pledges, though. You were a pledge, right? Oh, yeah. So that so that probably factors into it because I know your dad and I can't picture him really yelling, but maybe he did. I have no fucking not idea. a big yeller. Yeah, it doesn't strike me, but my my dad absolutely he was. had his moments though. <laughs> and so it's one of those things is like people yell at me and then it like fucks them up that I just stare back at them and I'm not doing it to be tough. It's just like if anything, I'm like, oh, you're on tilt and now I can now I now I got you. You know, that's how I look at it. It's like, oh, you you can't keep your shit together. They called me Smiley Frog when they yelled at me because I, <laughs> I could not smile or laugh at them. <laughs> I, I like enjoyed yeah, it. Like when guys when guys would get, be get, like getting hazed, I'd be like, that's great shit. I mean, that's like a legitimate. That's like a Jeffrey Ross burn. You know, I can't remember what they called me. I had long hair, which I know is impossible <laughs> to fathom. And I remember they called me the Gin Blossom. Uh, but there were other things that like occasionally Oh, I was watching the. Have you watched the Beastie Boys thing on Apple TV? No, not yet. I want to. The tits, man. Awesome. I'm the looking forward tits. to that. And I'm not a big Beastie Boys guy, yeah. by the way. So One that's the first so it's a bigger endorsement. It's uh, and Anna Marie wasn't really big, but they do it so well. Anyway, one of my friends and I'd forgotten about it until it looks like Ad Rock. And that was one of the things they used to rip him. And when they're doing this shit, I'm like getting my ass lined up and I start laughing and they're screaming and they couldn't be more serious about it. You know, you're yeah. 20 years old and you're failing out of a zoo. But this is your one moment of glory to yell at an 18 year old shit face. Get your rocks off, buddy. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, and I'm like, that's funny. And then all of a sudden now I laugh and now they're on my ass. So anyway, premise being, I've heard plenty of yelling in my life. But when Martin exited and Martin had been sitting on it. Because I think this was, it was a Friday. That was a Friday when we got the email. And so it had built up Saturday, Sunday. Cardinals are playing again, I think, on a Sunday night. So we're back in studio on Monday morning. And then we have a meeting with Barrett, me, Barrett, the cat, Martin, and this producer who Barrett had hired because he was going to be Barrett's guy. One of those moves, you know, standard shit. I'm sure everybody who's ever had a job recognizes (laughs) when management does these moves where they hire their guy who's going to be a narc. You know, ABC poker shit. And uh, and he's a good guy. He was, you know, we knew what he was there for. Uh, and Mark, I mean, he didn't. He barely talked even before the show. And and I'm like, man, this motherfucker. I can't tell if he's in a bad mood, or if he's mad. But and he had been holding it in. And when Barrett starts the meeting, I mean, Martin laid into <laughs> him like I mean, it brought me back to my childhood on Vienna in St. Louis Hills with my dad yelling. And I'm like, I haven't heard anything like this ever and my suspicion when i read that email on friday in my cab in new york this is it he's done he is leaving the show and he isn't coming back and um and that's 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 how martin kilcoin left the morning grind i mean that's the way that it went down i don't think uh it's anything that's classified 14 years later at this point but then the cat and i had uh, two months two plus months because that happened in mid-october of uh, auditioning people, 
And Doug was the best one. It was a no-brainer. And then I went to meet with Barrett on January 3rd, 2007. And uh, and I thought the way the meeting, we were going to have dinner at Jay Bucks and Clayton. May it rest in peace. And I thought we were going to discuss our, you know, who we were going to recommend for the, the, the new co-host with me and the cat. And I my suggestion was going to be Doug Vaughn. I felt like it was kind of obvious. The other person in the mix was Chris Pelican. Um, that those that was my list of two. That's all I had. And the meeting was not the way the meeting was supposed to go. I was told that the cat was being fired. I was told that a gentleman I had never heard of named Bob Fesco was coming in, that he had a nickname, the Bulldog, and this is with Jason Barrett, and that he needed me to go along with it, that I needed to do the show <laughs> the next morning, and then after the show the next morning, which was going to be a Friday, uh, that he was going to fire the cat. And I said, nope. You know, I'm sitting there, I'm just stunned, because I'm like, holy shit, in four months I've lost my producer and both my co-hosts, and now I'm working with a guy, I have no idea who he is, and I've got... Uh, 21 months left on my contract and I'm, you know, I just left TV to get away from the stuff I didn't like there. And now I got this. And I remember thinking to myself that this, this is a fucking disaster. And I said, I said, with regard to the cat, he finds out tonight, he finds out either from me or from you, but I'm not going to sit there and smile to his face all the while knowing you're planning on whacking him after the show. So well, you're trying to put me in a tough spot. I go, well, I don't know what to tell you. You're putting me in a tough spot. So how do you want this to go down? So I wound up telling Jim Hayes he was fired. So that was great. Um, and then the, a few months later, the cat got a new bathroom. So you can do the math on how that all wound <laughs> up playing out. But to Jason's credit, a couple years later, he contacted me and, um, you know, provided, I guess for lack of a better term, the background on the story and uh, and he, it was not his intention to fire the cat. That was uh, that came from above him. But uh, they were losing so much money, they were just making cuts. And um, the plan was to have it be me, the cat, and Bob Fesco on the show. And I would tell you this: as much as I love the cat, it still wouldn't have. It still wouldn't have. It might not, it might not have been as bad. It just wasn't going to work. Can't have a bulldog and a cat. Nicely done, Pete. Nicely done. Couldn't hold it in. <laughs> continue the the uh, the chemistry it just wouldn't have been there and it would have been we wouldn't have had the drama perhaps of okay the cat got fired martin quit and joe got fired and now there's this new guy there and like the anger and i was i received some of the some of it but i think people just were like what happened to the show that i loved you know at that time it was only two and a half years old and i go what happened this thing was so popular and it just got ripped apart what the fuck happened that's what and I was why, thinking. Yeah, yeah. I guess you were listening at the yeah. time, right? Yeah. It was. It was. It was. It was brutal. It was brutal. And then it became clear that uh, that it wasn't going to work. And I remember as we were walking out of J Box, Jason said, "I can picture it. That parking lot that faces the south." Um, he said, "Well, if this doesn't work out, it's going to be my ass." And I remember. And so, what did he do? He blamed it on me. So that's the way that he got away from it. That's the way that he said, well, it doesn't work because Tim isn't on board because Tim won't because Tim wants his guys back. So he's not participating. I'm like, the way the show started was Bob was running point and it wasn't working. <laughs> and so I went to them two weeks in and I said, hey, I, you know, I'm not asking for more money. You know, I'm under contract. I'm not, I said, I'm trying to fix the thing. I said, I think it might help if I ran point and then tried to, 
you know, see if that helps. And I and maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But you know, so anytime there's this thing, it's like if if the if, I don't even know if the audio archives exist. I don't know who would have bothered saving them. But when the show started with Bob, he was running point. And a few weeks later, I was running point, and I ran point until my last day there. But like for the final couple months, though, my attorney was working on getting me out of there, and you know, we got out of there. Uh, but um, that you know, the, the, so the stuff with Jason, you know, I heard him do an interview with Bob. Um, for his podcast, and they like passive aggressively again blamed me. Well, you can't have a show work when you know one of the hosts doesn't want it to work. And I'm like, God, man, that's if you guys want to tell yourself that, that be my guest, you know. But you know, as far as uh, me being difficult to work with, I've been working with like the same group of motherfuckers since 2007, with like a handful of different producers in you know 13 or 16 years, and it's just like. Ah, oh, you know, that's just that, that, but it, you know, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, you guys can say it, but I know, you know, that's not the truth. And I also know the audience knows it's not the truth. Like deep down the audience knows. So it's one of those things that, you know, and again, I mean, how many people at this point even give a shit? It's 13 years old, but I absolutely, there's, there's really not any hard feelings about it. It was disappointing the way it went down. Um, Bob and I, God, I don't know when, Five to seven years ago, I feel like I reached out to him, and I don't even know what caused it, but I just said, "Hey, listen, I, you know, because it's not like we crossed paths. I haven't seen him since my last day there." Um, but I said, "Hey, I know obviously the thing to work out. It's, it's no hard feelings at all, you know. And you may have said some things on my exit because the rallying cry became. We can still have a great show here without Tim. Uh, that you know." There's no hard feelings or anything like that. And Jason and I, the reason CMAR uh, became part of our group was a recommendation from Jason Barrett. And he was recommending uh, hires to me. And he was very helpful. I mean, listen, we joke about sports talk radio, but that guy does know people in the industry. But then he became a consultant and he said, yeah, since I'm consultant for 101, it wouldn't be right if I you know, continue to give you names to, to pursue with regard to hires, which is 100% correct. Um, it's also, however, I think fair to observe that when you're doing these radio rankings that you are a consultant for stations when you're ranking them, you know, it, it cuts both ways. And that's why he had, now he's pissed off, uh, at our audience because our audience then began tweeting at him asking who these 50 executives are, 35 executives that, that vote on these shows. Um, so I don't know if he would come on the podcast. I still, I have no idea if he's still a consultant for 101. I have no idea. But uh, to answer the question with the stories, um, and certainly there's a hell of a lot more to it, uh, I would have both those guys on. I don't know if there's there, – there aren't too many people who I wouldn't sit down with. There really aren't. There really aren't. Um, I guess, you know, you, you want to you sit with somebody who you know has all of their faculties. Um, but if I disagree with somebody, you know, Ed Martin on this podcast – somebody I absolutely disagree with. But when we came in, well, we disagree on things, but he couldn't be friendlier, was emailing me for a while. And, you know, uh, just because he has a different worldview doesn't mean I don't want to talk with a guy. So uh, that would be uh, an example of that. Let me see. Uh, all right. I, I, I've gone long enough, Gangster Pete. Let's <laughs> cut it off there. Um, thank you to uh, our sponsors, Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl. Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Really, 
recommend him to our audience. And I've it's it's been exciting to me, especially here uh, during um, during this time where people are uh, are you know certainly concerned about a variety of different elements of life, health, uh, but not just physical health, financial health. And uh, Mark Hanna is somebody who can really give you peace of mind right now. 314-889-0503. 314-889-0503. Or go online at evergreenstl.com. You know what? I am going to answer another question, Gangster Pete, because I don't want to just do the spots right at the end. But I, So there's a deep tease. I'm going to stick around and do another one. So if you, it's, like, if it's like when you're watching the credits and all of a sudden more movie comes up at the end. That's what you're going to get here. It's like also, free show. Free show. James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. James Carlton is my insurance agent. And I switched to him after I got to know him through uh, him being an advertiser on this podcast. And I am so happy that I did because now I'm able to text, email my insurance agent and know that I'm going to get an answer back immediately. And uh, and again, it speaks to what I was talking about with Mark. Peace of mind. Young guys building businesses uh, who are sharp and really appreciate customer service, plus State Farm returning $2 billion in dividends to their policyholders is unprecedented and much needed for families in our area. For those families that haven't been significantly impacted by this crisis and are willing to donate all or part of their dividend, James Carlton State Farm is willing to match any donations up to $100 to the COVID-19 Regional Response Fund. Please email james at carltoninsurance.net if interested uh all right so i'll go one more i see it's a, uh, the, the one that i had next here let me i gotta make sure i delete the ones that i uh that i have answered um uh this one's about online poker um i'll save this i don't i feel like that's i'm talking to like 10 people if i get into it but this is uh god i to Timmy recaps, and you know those are great questions. You know they get me going. And Pete, you might be going, "Oh God, I thought I was on my way home," <laughs> but uh, he's, he's asked a couple, and I haven't I haven't gone to him here. I have all these saved, uh, and I want to make sure I get to it. So this is one he sent on Friday. Question slash topic for QFTA. There's been a lot of talk recently about today's polarization and tribalism of politics, and how some people on the TMA fan page and in the real world aren't able to discuss or argue provocative topics in good faith. Instead, they dig in on their position and discount differing opinions. Although I know there's plenty of that going on, I think it's exhilarating to have my own opinions and beliefs challenged. I truly enjoy when someone presents me with new information I didn't previously have or hadn't before thought, forcing me to either steel man my belief or change it due to a new set of data. This last happened for me after reading a book by a gentleman I don't necessarily line up with when it comes to our respective worldviews. Uh, I've long believed and parroted the notion that things have never been more politically polarized than they are today. Uh, Then I read a book by Ezra Klein, co-founder of Vox, called Why We're Polarized, in which he surmises the commonly held belief that we as a society have never been more polarized than we are today is actually factually incorrect. He argues that things were much more polarized as recently as 40 or 50 years ago. The difference today is that voting patterns are now highly correlated with religion, race, ethnicity, gender, and neighborhood. He goes on to say, in the Trump era, each party has a worldview that is internally coherent, and those worldviews are mutually exclusive and in turn directly hostile to each other. Simply put, belief systems and identity now directly map onto one's respective political party, 
which makes people believe we are the most polarized we've been despite being incorrect. He gives examples of violence, riots, and murders in the name of politics 40 and 50 years ago that go above and beyond anything we're seeing today. This book changed my outlook on polarization, identity, politics, and how I view the two major parties. So with that said, when is the last time you personally were confronted with a persuasive argument which challenged a deeply held belief, forcing you to change an opinion slash belief system? Same question for Gangster Pete. Thanks. That comes from Timmy Recaps. Gangster Pete. This is a big question. I didn't realize it was going to have a big question at the end because I hadn't read the email. But now that I have, now I want to try to find something. Um, Off the top of my head, I can't think of any specific thing, but I am always open to logic and reason. Like, I don't like to dig my heels into where I will not change my mind. If you make great points and, I, and you can change my mind, I agree with you. And that's, that's one of the main reasons I like listening to that Rogan podcast because he's open-minded. He has people with all different kind of views come on, and he's open to changing his mind. So I love debating with people that are open to changing their mind. I hate debating with people that dig their heels in. It makes me want to bang my head against the wall. Right, which is why I'm not getting yep. into the pandemic exactly. on TMA. Uh, that's, uh, so I'm, 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 I'm racking my brain. Um, I thought... Um, Representative uh, Dan Crenshaw's appearance on Bill Maher was eye-opening with regard to a belief I had that the country uh, did nothing in the month of February with regard to the coronavirus. Um, I don't know if it necessarily, like nothing's gonna, nothing will ever change my mind. Cause you, this, is, this isn't like interpretation. What the president was saying isn't like, Oh, well, maybe he meant this. I mean, that's always there. And I don't, I, I, like, if, if, I would think, and maybe I'm off the mark on this, I would think, like, what, so when people hear that topic, they go, well, here's Dr. Fauci on January 20th. And, and they're right in the fact that Dr. Fauci, as it has proven to be, was wrong. But I think, maybe I'm wrong that people would agree that what Dr. Fauci said one time on approximately January 20th in an interview is a different operation than what the president was doing from the middle of February through, well, I don't know how, I don't know when it started, but that's when people started paying more attention to it. Um, whenever, up until like mid-March, I think, I would like to think, and if not, like when you watch the video with the sound on and see the words coming out of his mouth, like what would the excuse be there? I, I really don't know. I, that, that, can't be, that can't be revised. So that's, and, 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 we're, and, and that actually is somehow being litigated. Like, well, there were a lot of people who were wrong. Well, yes, they, they may have been wrong on what they thought was going to happen, but there's a difference in being wrong using data versus saying it's just going to disappear like a miracle or everybody has tests and we'll have and it's going to be amazing you know and all these you know it's like the flu the, the, like the flu thing like the flu, which still by the way is still traveling around memes on social media but whatever and i i, I can already i'm, I'm going to set the over under at eight and a half for emails now where i will get graphs of it's like the flu and why that's still right it's an amazing thing it's an amazing fucking thing <laughs> But, and that's why I kind of don't want to talk about it, but it ties into, as I was thinking, I remember watching that interview. Uh, first off, 
I, I, if I'm wrong on this, this will be something where I'll also have to own it. I am of the opinion that Dan Crenshaw uh, is a really good man. I think that. And we've talked about him before because we were talking about his appearance on Bill Maher a couple weeks ago, Pete. And you said he was on Rogan. Yeah. I he, don't recall if, if you had listened yet at the time. Well, I had listened. He had been on before and I listened to him. And then I've now since listened to the new one. But, yeah, I like him. He's He seems like a good dude and uh, he's open-minded and he well thought out of his opinions. Right. And that's 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 where I am on him. And I really want to – I got to listen to that. I got to make a point to listen to that recent interview with him. And at this point, it's not that recent. But the, the more uh, – the one that was done, I guess, in April. So, so that you know, I, I, I will. It's like if, if Nancy, when he has Nancy Pelosi on, I just kind of tune it out. You know, I'll listen to see if there's some like news or something she can point to that I can check. But otherwise, I tune it out, which may or may not be fair to her. Just like when the president's doing his press conferences or when he was doing them, I just would be like, okay, mute. You know, but here comes Burks or here comes Fauci. Um, uh, here comes, you know, the Surgeon General, whomever, I, 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 I'd be like, okay, I'll listen. Okay, here he comes. I'm muting, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell, same thing. Dan Crenshaw, and he is a Republican, right, uh, yep. I listen to because I believe he's coming from a place of honesty. Now, if I'm proven to be wrong, and listen, I realize they can't be 100% transparent all the time. So if that's the bar that you're going to set for people, you're going to come away disappointed. And I'm not talking about like they're going to blatantly lie to you. I'm just talking about there's some things that they know that they can't say. Or there's some things that are still up in the air that they can't say. Or there's some things that are really gray that it's tough to explain in a 20-second soundbite or a tweet. But I thought in that interview, first off, what we talked about, the fact that there was no audience, was huge. It was a great thing. It was a great thing. So good. Because otherwise it would have been, oh, shit, now I got Bill Maher, I'm the host, I got to score points, and I'm Dan Crenshaw, and I got to score points. And it allowed him just to have a conversation. And uh, and I loved that. Um, and also he's saying, yeah, this thing, he goes, he goes I, I can't remember what it was. I mean, what is our goal here? Is our goal here to get to the truth, or is our goal here to attack President Trump? Because they're two different things. And then he laid out his reasoning. And I was just like, that's great. Because in my mind, I associate a lot of the failure of what has taken place with the president as the person who at least 35% of the country will follow into anything, and, and probably more. And if the president is telling you, I know this, if Barack Obama would have been saying it's just like the flu and you know, it's just going to disappear, I would have been like, oh, that's great to hear. You know, whereas a number of people who right now are following President Trump would have been like oh, Obama saying it's just like the flu and it's just going to go away. There's no way, you know. But because he has, from my standpoint, is like zero credibility when it comes to when he's and you can just like it's like it's just like babbling nonsense. I'm just going, oh shit, you know. It it doesn't matter. It's just it's the standard thing. You know, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be huge. It's going to be big. It's going to be great. It's going to be a miracle. I, our response has been amazing. All all the things you're just like. Oh. It, 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 but but I but I'm as we were talking about it back in March. But it's like he does what he's doing. That that doesn't matter to me because it's not like I'm like oh, we're in good shape. The president said we're in good shape. It just he has zero credibility. It doesn't matter. It it, it doesn't matter. Dan Crenshaw says something. I'll pay attention. Just like Nancy Pelosi saying something doesn't have any credibility for me. Doesn't have any credibility for me. Which again, it may be unfair to these people when I say this. But at this moment, Dan Crenshaw is somebody that I do take seriously. And so I thought that interview was eye opening. 
that he pointed out that February wasn't just this month where, because I think a lot of people, if they were paying attention in February, would go, shit, this was going on in February, and the president's out there talking about everybody will have tests, and it's going to go away like a miracle. And yeah, that, that might have been him doing that, but that doesn't mean that the rest of the government was doing that. And I thought that was an important point. doesn't mean that things were done the way that if we could go back, do it again. But uh, nonetheless, um, I thought that, that was eye-opening. And then something that certainly isn't, you know, it's completely apples and oranges. But for the purpose of the discussion, um, I mean, I was dead set on the Battle Hawks just being like a nothing. So, you know, to compare the pandemic and the Battle Hawks is obviously, I'm not comparing the two. But as far as mindset being just like certain about something, now this is certain about something that had yet to happen. This isn't being certain about something that had happened and digging in to like fit my political worldview. But I just was just was like, oh, God, I mean, really? You know, and then I'm like, okay, the cat's saying that it's going to be this because of people wanting to show Stan Kroenke. And I'm like, I mean, are people really going to go down to the Dome in February? And really watch people we don't know play against other people we don't know for teams we can't identify. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's just no way. And he's betting me whatever. We didn't wind up betting a dollar figure, but betting me that they'll be they'll sell 25,000 tickets to the uh, opener. And sure as hell, I mean, before before we even got to the opener, they had played two road games. And I'm like, fuck, I'm going to lose this bet. And I'm, by the way, thrilled that I am. And he was right. And I could not have been more wrong. I was also certain, and I got, and I owe the Plowhawk money. Even though the season hasn't started, it doesn't change. I'm not going to move the goalposts. Uh, the bet was in between the offseason and the start of the regular season, but that's basing it off April 1st, essentially, or March 27th, or whatever it was going to be. I can't move the goalposts now that we've had this outlier situation. So I owe him 100 bucks because I gave him 10 to 1, and I was going to give him 10 to 1 on anything up to $1,000. So I could have lost a lot of money, like $100 he could have bet. And I would owe him a thousand, but he bet ten. Thank you, thankfully, that the Cardinals would make a, a move for a big bat in the off season. I was certain of it, and I was wrong, big time wrong. I don't even know if they ever were really even in the mix to do it, and I'm stunned because I've been one of the people who doesn't have any ties to the organization whatsoever, who has opined that this anti-Cardinal sentiment from a portion of the fan base is just. It's misguided if it's rooted in they don't want to spend money. Well, shit. Now I am forced to re-examine. Again, it's not political, you know. Um, I, I can't. I, let me put it this way: when it comes to political, I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine that there will come a time in my lifetime where I'll go, "Ah, oh, I was wrong on Donald Trump." I cannot imagine that ever coming. I, and I, I just, I can't imagine that ever happening. I just, I, I. I guess I guess I guess I guess my follow up to that is I suppose I hope that I say it because that means he would have done some really good things and I would have been like I was wrong. I just can't imagine that ever happening. I just can't imagine it ever happening. And I know I'm pissing off a good portion of the audience, but but when I'm saying this, I'm not talking about, you know, like my portfolio because that's not what I base things on. Uh, it's a piece of the puzzle. I'm talking about what I personally look for in a leader. And by the way, this isn't necessarily only the president. This could be somebody who's running a business. You know, this could be somebody who's managing a baseball team. If I feel like that person is up there manipulating people and the truth for their own advantage, that's not somebody I personally would 
would uh, tie my uh, tie my beliefs into personally. I realize for others are like, well, I recognize that this is you know a little uh, different than what we're used to, but I'm pro life and fuck it, I'll you know, I'm, or I realize this is what it is, but you know, my portfolio went up, you know. X percent. And so fuck it, you know, or I in the banking industry and Jesus, Mary and Joseph, the deregulation of this has been so great in comparison to what we dealt with with Obama. So fuck it, you know, and I think I think there's a lot of that. I think more so than like the people who go to the rallies and like worship the cult of personality. But maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know. Like the people I know who would be considered, quote unquote, Trump fans wouldn't necessarily be like real public about it <laughs> but but they're like yeah it's kind of works for what i do or you know yeah i know but you know i really am anti-abortion so you know um so uh, i don't know that's 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 where i come in on on uh you know looking back on things and going oh, i was wrong on that but i'll say this and my wife and I both thought this. I don't know if you heard this, Pete, uh, with regard to the Biden Tara Reid allegations. President Trump was on, I think it was a podcast, which is amazing in and of itself, but great. Uh, you know, he was on a podcast and he was asked about Biden's allegations. And in, in your stand and the Tara Reid allegations. Oh, yeah. He had a surprising answer. Are you, are you? So you're familiar with this? Yeah. I don't think I talked about this with you. No, we haven't. Oh, really? I, I don't. Is, did this like get headlines? So I just scared. remember. I mean, I just remember reading about it. But oh, okay. So you agree? You thought the answer was surprising too? Yeah, considering the source, definitely. <laughs> so I listened to it, and I'm like, and my wife thought the same thing, and I'm like, huh? That was actually. <laughs> that was that. I have to say, I was wrong on that. So I'll, I'll eat my shit when I, I mean. Well, listen, it wasn't like a a great moment in history by any means. I mean, we're talking about a sexual harassment allegation. But what would you think? Okay, he's running against Joe Biden. I guess I still I still want to find somebody to take a bet who will give me good odds that Donald Trump or Joe Biden is not president is not sworn in in January 2021. I just can't find the odds yet. But. Um, Either way, it looks like it's Trump versus Biden. And what would you think he would do? He would, especially on the topic of sexual harassment. Attack. He would would absolutely. That's what I thought. I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be yet another moment of a lack of self-awareness that fits his. And he goes, well, you know what, what, what? I'm paraphrasing here, but something along the lines of it's amazing how this happens where you get any semblance of of fame popularity and people can just come out of the woodwork and say whatever so i would say to him he should fight them and i'm like holy shit i really i was like i had a i had a moment of warmth come over my body Same. i'm like did you really yeah i really did and i I was watching i was watching this uh news on my own you know i think anna marie was uh was sitting over with with jameson feeding jameson and uh and so I didn't even know she was paying attention. And I got up, and I don't, I don't think I even said anything. I just because I didn't think she was paying attention. She's dealing with a two-year-old over there. And she goes, wow, that was surprising. <laughs> and I go, yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. I go, what the fuck? I, it's great. 
you know, now do I think that means he's like had this, you know, ghost of Christmas future visit him? You know, no, I don't. But if there are those moments, that's great. You know, because that just didn't fit what has been the playbook like well before he became president. You know, it always is to benefit him uh, is my perspective. I just. It's my perspective. I am acknowledging when I am wrong. I was wrong on this with regard to what Crenshaw presented on uh, on Mars show. I was wrong on the Battlehawks. I was wrong on the Cardinals thing. Uh, and I don't. I didn't really have an opinion on what President Trump would say about the Joe Biden thing um, until it was just in a newscast. And then I heard the interview, and I'm like, "Holy shit! That's that that was that's a principled answer." You know, I mean, God bless America. That's a principled answer. So I don't know. And then, then I take a step back and then the cynic in me goes, OK, has he thought about it? And before he was so dead set about run, against running for or running against Biden that now he's like, shit, I'm going to beat Biden with no problem. So he's like propping him up kind of like he had been doing with Bernie Sanders. That's the cynic in me. But I heard the whole answer and I think he was being sincere. I really do. And I don't know if I've said those words in, in years. So um there, there are four examples, many of which will lead to people fucking hating me even more. Uh, but that is that's 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 where I'm coming from on it. Let that's what hate. I got, gangster Pete. Let them hate. Uh, let them hate. I'm swerving into the hate. That's the title of the podcast. Now, all right, we'll, we'll wrap up swerving into the hate here. Uh, gangster Pete, uh, thank you to Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Thank you to Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Thank you to... Uh, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency and Seth Goldcamp, Design Air, heating and cooling online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. And finally, God, Pete, before we start recording, you talked about, because I'm in my basement, I can't see it, that it's a cold, gloomy day. And it's, I hope that maybe that's not the case anymore, but since it's, it's now It's still pretty gloomy. I don't know what the weather's 55 like 55 degrees. There. I'm looking at the forecast, though. By 4 o'clock, I see the sun's peeking out, 64 degrees. Good. Um, work out time. But man, I'm telling you, I see 50s in the forecast three times over the next seven days. God bless America. A bunch of rain just tilts me. But either way, inevitably, the point is this. Why am I bitching about the forecast? Because it's going to warm up. Make sure Design Air Heating and Cooling is the company you go to if that air conditioning is not working or if you just want to get it checked. DesignAirService.com. All right, that'll wrap it up. For Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of Questions from the Audience on the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.